Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome back to the Defiant Spirit. Thanks for tuning in. I want to talk today about some of my roots, which, you know, oftentimes I'll talk about Enneagram, and I think it's very powerful and profound. Maybe we'll get into it a little bit. Um, Sometimes I'll talk about Viktor Frankl, also powerful and profound. Maybe we'll get into his work a little bit. But I want to go back to my roots, which are really Kabbalah. I, I started my journey, my sort of awakened journey 30 years ago, and then relatively quickly into that, I discovered Kabbalah. I was born Jewish, but Kabbalah really wasn't a thing. Kabbalah is the mystical arm, if you will, of Judaism. You don't have to be Jewish to study Kabbalah. I study Kabbalah with many people who aren't Jewish. I, um, I know many people who pursue it who aren't Jewish. It's not the dogmatic side of Judaism. That's, um, you know, there's no, there's no have-tos. It's a philosophical framework. Just like you can study Buddhism and not be Buddhist, you can study Kabbalah and not be a, uh, a Jew. So I bring this up because as I'm recording this, going into the high holy day season, um, Rosh Hashanah through the holiday of Sukkot, a lesser known holiday, but a very important one. And um, this isn't a conversation today about Judaism. It's a conversation about the universal spirit around the Jewish high holy days. And it's not coincidental that it happens in fall because fall at least in the you know this hemisphere where I'm recording this, is a time of, of turning. You can feel it. It's existential. I just love fall. I'm in the I'm in Denver, you know, so it's still like the Midwest. I grew up in the Midwest. It's on the edge of the Midwest, but it, there's a different vibe. If you're in LA, it doesn't have quite the same impact as it does pretty much um, east of the Rockies. And fall is a time of turning. Leaves are turning. You know, the, the energy is you're back into school if you still have kids in the school system. Um, college football, I mean, come on, man. That is just, it's the best. College football Saturdays in the fall, oh, the best. But there's, there's an energy, there's a rhythm of fall. So whether you're celebrating it through the Jewish High Holidays, whether you're celebrating it through um, college football, whether you're celebrating it, or not celebrating it, but um, marking it, honoring it through again, back to the rhythms of the, uh, the academic school year, whatever it might be, there is a turning that's happening. Now, I want, I want to talk to you about the power of this time. If you're willing to embrace it, and I have a couple easy steps, certainly easy to remember, and I'm going to share those with you, but I want to begin with a teaching. This is a teaching that I use all the time. I use it in coaching people. I use it in my own life and thinking about my work. And so, and it really revolves around this idea of the fall equinox, the turning of um, the season and, and, and the work that we're here to do. So Michelangelo, the famous Michelangelo, who carved um, the famous statue of David, many great works, Michelangelo, this is one of his masterpieces. And what's not oftentimes known is that when you see David, just Google David, you'll see a picture of this famous work. What's not known is that 
the piece of marble, right? This big block of marble that Michelangelo chose to carve David out of was rejected by other sculptors. There was only so much good marble to go around and um, I don't know how it worked, but they were bidding on marble. They were, marble salesman was, was selling it and it was rejected over and over and over again. Finally, Michelangelo chose it and it was blemished. You know, it was broken, cracked here and, and discolored there. And later on, after David was created, they asked, somebody asked, or um, it, was, it was asked of Michelangelo, like, how did you create David out of this mediocre piece of marble? And what his response was, was something to the effect of, I didn't create David. He was in the marble. He was always in the marble. I didn't create David. I removed everything that wasn't David. I removed all of the pieces, the, the imperfections, those, those broken aspects, the bruised, the discolored pieces. I just removed all of them. David was in the marble. And my work, my job, he didn't say this, but I think my mastery for Michelangelo, his mastery wasn't just in the way he carved. It was in the way he saw. It was in his vision. It was in his ability to reflect upon the marble. And that's what I want to talk about in this transitionary period where we are on the calendar. Again, whether we're going through it personally, religiously, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, professionally, it doesn't matter. This is the first step in the work that we're here to do is to see, is to reflect Again, how many people walked past that marble that ultimately was turned into the masterpiece of David and said, it's no good. It's not worthy. It's broken. Get rid of it. We live in a society where we're supposed to get rid of the broken things or we're supposed to fix the broken things. I love this story because Michelangelo didn't fix anything. He embraced the broken parts of the marble, the imperfect parts of the marble, and he worked through them, right? He, he chipped away at them. He released them. They served a purpose. I don't know what, but they, they served a purpose. He, he saw past them. And so they gave him an opportunity to work through and dig down and look into the marble for something more that was there. How many people do I work with and coach who look at those blemishes, at those cracks as things to be gotten rid of, whether they're physical cracks, whether they're um, cracks in a relationship or broken aspects of their, their, their life, a thousand different ways that that can happen. And we're told over and over again, get rid of them or fix them or make it go away or hide it. What Michelangelo reminds us of is reflect, reflect upon those aspects of your life. It's all there for a reason or purpose. I'm not saying to live with it indefinitely, those broken aspects. There is a time and a way to work through them. Michelangelo just didn't leave it at that. He saw, however, beyond them, past them, through them, not around them, not you know a, going a different direction because of them. He went into that piece of marble where those cracks and those blemishes pointed the way. Can you see, can you reflect on this time in your life, those... David's underneath the imperfections, 
within the cracks, behind the, the, the blemishes, right? As opposed to throwing it out and starting over with a new piece of marble. That might be with a new relationship. Do you know how many people I work with who their initial reaction is, I need to leave. It might be their job. It might be their partner. It might be their, their life um, in a thousand different ways. It might actually be their physical life. And then we start working and we realize, they realize, we discover together, there's beauty in this particular marble that they were given, in this particular relationship, as an example. And that before you go looking for a new piece of marble to carve, perhaps you haven't reflected upon this particular relationship in a new capacity. You know, so many people I work with are what I call the afternoon of life. And if you're gonna live in the afternoon of life, you're gonna need new new rules for the afternoon of life. I've done a couple podcasts on this. You can listen to that. Um, but if you still hold your marriage to the morning of life rules, it's going to fail. You've, it's got to change just like you've changed, just like this period of your life has changed. So can you reflect upon your marriage before you leave it? Can you reflect upon your profession and ask yourself, you know, have I done everything I can to reveal David in this marriage or in this profession? And if you have, there is a perfect and appropriate time and place to go find a new piece of marble, to go find a new profession, to go find a new partner. However, it is a tragic mistake not to reflect upon the marble that you got, to sit with it, and not to see it as beyond repair or something to be ashamed of because it isn't perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. There's just your marble. And whatever is in that particular marble, there's a perfect David for you, not to create, to reveal. So taking this image a little bit further from reflection, and I think Michelangelo's, one of his great contributions was he was able to see, he was able to envision, he was able to reflect and sit with that marble and see something that other people just walked on by. Another image um, along these lines is the story of Moses, where he's walking past the burning bush, famous story in the book of Exodus. Um, I want to say it's, I can't remember what chapter, chapter three, maybe. No, well, it must be further on. Anyways, um, he's walking past the burning bush and he sees that it's burning and it's not being consumed. And he says, um, you know, he stops and he realizes that there's something magical, mystical, divine going on here. What What's interesting is one of the Torah, the, the rabbinic commentaries says about the Torah that um, it isn't just that Moses was a great man because... Um, of who he was. It's because of the way he saw. It's because of the way he reflected. And they ask, how many others walked past that bush and saw that it was on fire, but it was constantly on fire? It wasn't being consumed. Like, how long would you have to stand there and pay attention and just be mindful? Like my friend, um, Julie Mouse, who and I, she and I do a lot of teaching on the Enneagram and mindfulness, right? She's really reminded me of, you can be looking at something and not really be looking at it. You can be there with your eyes, but not there with your... I don't know, something deeper inside of you, that place that sees. And so reflecting, are you the type of person, am I the type of person Is this in this situation that is just looking or are we seeing and reflecting and finding the David within the, the marble? So that's reflecting. And then we go into remembering. You know, you're sitting there, you're reflecting. One of the things I love about this story, and I use it in particular in coaching because we are taught, that we need to become. This is a morning of life rule. This is how schools are designed. You need to go to school and learn. 
You need to go to school and do, or, or jobs or whatever it is. You need to go out into the world and become, become something that you're not. That is a fundamental, different way, fundamentally different way of looking at the world than this sort of spiritual perspective, the Michelangelo perspective. So, so what's this perspective? You don't become anything. Michelangelo didn't say he created David. He said David was always in the marble. His job wasn't to create David. It was what? To reveal, right? To remember and reveal. I like the R words. To reflect, to remember, right? Remember. And this is, you know, when I'm working with people, this is a paradigm shift. You don't become something. You remember. You are that David, that perfect version of you, that sculpture that was here, but you have layers of marble on top of you. We all do. It comes from just unconsciously living. It comes from fear. A lot of it comes from fear. Afraid. And so we start accumulating defense mechanisms and, and survival strategies. And, and, and we go out into the world and we start putting on personas, masks, personalities, right? This is not who I am. This is a version of me. It's how I've learned how to speak in front of a camera or, you know, be in a relationship or do a particular job. It's a mask. Persona comes from the Greek word mask. It's a mask I've learned to wear over time. That's marble. There's nothing wrong with it. We have to have masks. We have to have personas. We have to personality. We have to go out into the world, but we have to stand guard against accumulating it, starting to believe it's who I am versus no, it's just what I'm doing in this situation to communicate with you. Baruch B is underneath there somewhere beneath that mask and that mask and that mask. All the roles that we take on, marble, not unimportant, but it's not who we are. I am a dad. I am a husband. I am a son. I am a, uh, all these things, but it's not who I am. I mean, they're parts and pieces of who I am, but they're not the essence of who I am. I, I am something more than that. You are something more than that. We are, Viktor Frankl calls it, nuos. Um, you might want to call it essence or spirit or whatever you want to call it, but you are the David underneath the marble. The marble is accumulated over time. Our job is to remember, to remember who we are, to get underneath that marble and to, um, to chip away at it, to let it go, to, to not be ashamed of the marble that's there, but to also not believe that it's who we are, that we are something, someone, an essence underneath it all. And so we go deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is a period of time, this you know fall season, this holiday season, this place we are in the, um, in the rhythm of, of nature is really about sort of just remembering, getting back to. It's a very contemplative time. We're moving more internally. We're moving inwards, right? From summer is a very outward energy to a winter. It's a completely inward energy. Fall is this back and forth, right? This beautiful time of, of reflection, of remembering, remembering that we aren't the sum total of our parts. We aren't the, the, the sum total of our actions. You know, when I used to do funerals, we, we would talk about actions and accomplishments and achievements and all of that, but that's never what people were getting to when they wanted to honor their loved ones. They would talk about this essence and those are just ways to describe the essence. But the essence, the David, is underneath all of those pieces of marble. And we just got to keep 
letting go of all those things that aren't David, that aren't you, that aren't me, remembering, see, reflecting, remembering, revealing that piece of ourselves. And ultimately, um, going forward into this, this next chapter, this next new year from a Holy Day perspective, the new year from a secular perspective in, in uh, January, um, this next season of our life, you know, whatever that means, whatever's ahead of us, going from morning to life to the afternoon of life or afternoon of life to evening of life and lots of different sort of sub-chapters in the middle. And knowing that everything has served its purpose to get us here, all of those broken aspects of that exterior of the marble got that marble to Michelangelo in that particular way, shape, and form that he needed to be able to see. Those blemishes attracted him. They, they invited him in to a deeper conversation about that particular marble to, to reveal what was underneath it. So it isn't about making all of the blemishes and the brokenness and the bruises wrong or bad. They're not. This is one of the things I just hate about organized religion is they have perverted this idea of brokenness called sin. Sin is not what it is presented. My last podcast I think I did was on the nature of sin. I'm just going to recap it. But the Hebrew word for sin, I can only really, you know, speak for Judaism and Hebrew, Kabbalah, is um, there's two primary words for sin. One is chet, not hate, but the baruch, which is why I go by B because nobody likes to say it here in America. So the chet is the missing the mark. It's an archer's term. It means you're off target. It means you, you've just missed it's not even a moral judgment. It's just a statement of direction and you're misdirected. You're off course. That's the other word usually um, for sin is avera. And avera comes from the Hebrew la'avor, which means to, to transgress. But again, not morally. It's to be off course. Now, this if it's, if it's directional, then the whole point is to help us find our way, get back to our path. Isn't it interesting that all of the great religions call their, their, their teachings the way? You have Dharma, the way, Tao, the way, Tao, the way, Halachan Judaism, the way, via Christianity, Jesus says he is the way. Um, um, there's a few others, but they all mean the same thing. The way. They're all directional. They're all trying to get their adherents to move in this this, this ideal direction of, of their David. To find, to discover their David. To live their David. Their, their best self. And we all, all the time, get pulled off of course. And that's the hate. That's the Avera. That's the sin. That's the straying. And if we don't look at this as you're bad, you're wrong, you know, you're dirty, you're evil. No, if we look at it as, of course, recalculating, it's Siri, recalculating. It's, you know, that annoying thing on our, um, on our ways or whatever, recalculating, you're off course, recalculating. And so constantly recalculating or returning back to our path, back to our David, back to our masterpiece. And my masterpiece is different than your masterpiece. Right? Your way has got to be different than my way. And you know when you're off if you sit and make time to reflect. If we don't make time to reflect, then we just keep going further and further off course. I don't meet anybody who says, I'm going to start off by heading off course. What happens is every day 
They make little decisions or sometimes big decisions that take them further and further off course. But you don't always know you're off course. When you're hiking, you feel like you're going in the right direction. And then pretty soon you realize you're like lost direction way back there. And it only caught up to you now. And now you have to go all the way backtrack to get back to where you were or else you're going to be lost. The same is true on our journey. Um, and so we have to do this reflection. And that's why this time in our, in our calendar and our season is so important. When the, the leaves are changing, when the weather is cooling, when we're moving towards an interior space, but we're not totally interior. It's not the winter, literally or metaphorically. And we're still out in the world and we're still in the game and we're still participating, but not fully participating. We've pulled back a little bit. That's the beauty of this fall cycle. It gives you a taste of what that means. You know, we'll all do it at age 70, 80, 90, 100. We'll be pulling back and pulling back and pulling back. More and more contemplation, more and more reflection. Um, so we go through this every year, this process. So we don't have to wait till we're 90 to do this work. We get to do it now in little bits and pieces. And what do we do? We remember in this process of reflecting. We remember who we are. We remember our, our why. I work with people all the time. What's your why? Right? As Frankel says, if you know your why, you can endure your how. Nietzsche said it, but Frankel quotes him often. If you know your why, you can navigate the how. If you know your marble, your, your, your David within the marble, you can figure out all those layers that get put on you. You can, you can figure out how you've drifted off course, but you've got to make time for it. You've got to reflect. Right? You've got to return in this process, revealing your, your essence, your core purpose, your why, and ultimately returning. And that's what this is. This isn't about becoming. We are just so programmed in our becoming and doing and achieving and accumulating society and world from education to, to religion. You know how many people I talk to who, who talk about religion as just another doing? Right? They go to church every Sunday, therefore what? They, they, they observe all of the Jewish laws, the halachot, so what? Right? Um, I just read a great quote that said, if going to church makes you a Christian, by that analogy, sitting in a garage will make you a car. Right? Isn't that great? So going to church, going to synagogue, doing the mitzvot, the commandments, doesn't make you the the David inside of your marble because you can do them for the wrong reasons and you can do them for um, accumulating right we call it in Judaism mitzvah points commandment points right so you 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 win the the entry into to heaven by this kind of crazy standard just like you you know accumulate money in the bank you accumulate the the moral bank and therefore you're led into heaven it's, it's ridiculous it's garbage. This is about us returning to who we were put here to be, to our true self. I've never met anybody who doesn't understand that there is a true you underneath the marble. There is a, there's, a, there's an essence. There's a, there's a was, is, and will always be that is, is just you. There's never been another like you. Now, the layers of marble looks a lot like your neighbor's layers of marble, and that starts to look the same. But when we get underneath it, when we get back to our essence, when we remember who that is, when we return to who that is, you know it, right? You know your 
purpose, your why. And it's a process of getting back to it. And there's a thousand different ways to do that. But the most important thing is that we do it, that we make time for it. So if you do that again by marking your time through college football, if you do it through marking your time by holy days, whatever your religious experience is, if you do it by just simply creating a contemplative practice, it might be formal meditation, but it could be just walking outside amongst the leaves and going through this process of what Michelangelo taught us to reflect to remember, to return. Reflect, remember, return. That is the pathway back to the David inside the marble. And there is a David in each and every one of us that has been forgotten, that has been lost in the rat race, accumulating all those layers of marble, all that stuff, pursuing and doing and becoming, taking a deep breath, reflecting, remembering, and returning to the true you. So if you'd like to learn more about how to return to the true you, I can't say it strongly enough. The Enneagram is perhaps the most remarkable system I have ever come across and, and participated in and now teach. And I've been involved with lots of different wonderful um, practices and traditions. But this one really addresses how do I chip away at those layers of the marble without seeing them as bad, without um, being becoming stuck in, you know, why did they get here? And I shouldn't have added all these layers. And, you know, what kind of person does that? No, it's like it, it gives you some objectivity. It gives you some tools and strategies of wh why you did that, what, you know, what that looks like and how to get underneath those layers, how to get back to your essence, your true self. The Enneagram has nine fundamental sort of variations or versions of a David. And one of those is going to speak to you. They're all within you. So you have all nine of these within you. One of them truly is and will always be your dominant David, your, your essence. And you'll know it when you get to it. And so I've created the um, Discover Your Number Enneagram system so you can go through all nine Davids and get underneath the marble and just sort of look at them. And that's part of it. When you reflect upon the Enneagram, you start to recognize yourself. You start to recognize your essence. You also start to recognize the ways and the reasons why you've accumulated the marble and sort of forgotten. And it helps you not only reflect on it and remember it, but pathways to return to the David within you, the true you. So jump over to um, thedefiantspirit.org where you can engage my discover your number um, Enneagram discovery tool. It's complimentary until the next time. And I would love to hear from you. Somebody asked me to speak on the Jewish uh, high holidays. And I said, well, I'm not going to speak on the Jewish high holidays. It's not really my, my jam anymore, but I certainly will share with you my particular process with them and how it reflects, um, to everybody I guide because I guide so many people now from so many faith traditions and no faith tradition. It doesn't matter to me. So I would love to hear from you. What you want me to talk about is always meaningful to me and hopefully uh, we can make that connection and I can share some thoughts that are uh, important to you. Until then, get out there and discover your number, own your number, stay tuned for that, and defy your number. Yep, a lot more coming. Until then, discover your number, defy your number, and I'll see you in the next video or talk to you. Mm-hmm.